The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Study! Beam us up. Welcome to another episode of Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I am Brent Allen, and I have seen every episode of Star Trek 47 times. And I'm Matt Sonnenberg, and this is my first time through the series. And this is the show where we are on a mission to get people into the wormhole to meet the prophets so they can know that they indeed are meant to be a part of this fandom. And we're doing that by watching the most important episodes in the Star Trek universe by air date order that deal with the lore, the history, and the timeless message of Star Trek. But even if you have not been chosen by the prophets, you can still help the Cisco by going to Podchaser or Apple Podcasts and leaving us a review and rating for this podcast so that other people know about it and bring them into the fold. Help the Cisco today. Go leave a review. Today's show is the 17th episode of season four of Star Trek Deep Space Nine entitled Accession, or as I like to call it, the one where Cisco becomes the emissary again. Again. <laughs> In case you guys didn't see this one first, or maybe you didn't rewatch it, you just need a little reminder. In this one, a poet from 300 years in Bajor's past emerges from the wormhole claiming to be the emissary, and he causes all kinds of waves by trying to get Bajor to return to its ancient way of doing things, forcing Cisco to retake his title. Matt, before we get into the recap of the episode, I'll give you a chance. Overall reactions to the episode accession. In general, I think it was pretty good and I think I kind of liked it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't ever really doubt why you wouldn't have it in the run because mm -hmm. it seemed to fit with a bunch of other storylines that we've touched on. Mm -hmm. And so it made, I think kind of makes sense to have in here. But I will tell you, it had me going on a roller coaster ride for oh, yeah. for most of this. Like I I, I didn't know where things are going to end up. And I mean, I guess I should have guessed mm -hmm. pretty much back to where we started. Sure. Well, yes, pretty much. No. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, th there were a bunch of things that happened during the episode that I'm sure we're going to talk about, or mm -hmm. I'll make sure we'll talk about that could have changed. Mm -hmm. And most of them didn't. Right. Because you've certainly seen Deep Space Nine bring in, let's say, adversarial people of, and put them in positions of power. I mean, that's Iris Stephen Bear's mantra is take the worst person, you know, put them in power and then see what happens and mm -hmm. to have Cisco give that up. Like this guy could have been around for a while. We know he won't be now, but I mean, really Matt, the, so as we record this, we're in the middle of summer and we've got vacations and stuff happening and you were gone for a couple of weeks. And yes. uh, I sat down and watched the entire rest of the run of deep space nine just because <laughs> I got into it. Right. And I was thinking about it as I was doing that. And I went like, we, we were coming up on this episode and, and the episode we were supposed to do in its place was a uh, hard time. So if people were going, Oh, this isn't quite narrative order this one was actually before the last one and all that i understand it's because i made an audible and put this one back in because what's really important about this episode that i couldn't just tell you you needed to see it was cisco finally embraces the role of being an emissary and that thing which started in the pilot episode does carry on it is important to the overall story sure the the the, the note that i put in by the end of this was actually, actually i think it was the last note i put in it's like cisco finally bought in yeah yeah and that's like what he's on do. board yeah well matt we will definitely definitely get into all of that but before we do character actor spotlight i would like to hit and you might think but we didn't really recognize that guy who a joram on or whatever his name was who could you possibly be talking about well matt 
As I mentioned earlier, this was not necessarily the episode that I had scheduled for us to do this week. The episode okay. I had scheduled for us to do was an episode called Hard Time, which is a Miles O'Brien episode. And since I don't think we're really going to do another O'Brien centric episode throughout the rest of the run, and he was the feature of the B plot. He was definitely the B plot. There, there was yeah. a definite B plot this week. Yes. It's did, been a while. Did not necessarily tie in, although maybe it did. And we'll talk about that. I thought for today's character actor spotlight to give him his own spot, let's focus in a little bit on Colm Meany. I believe his name is pronounced Colm or Colm and not just Colm, but I'm going to say it Colm because that's the way it's spelled and I'm sure an American idiot. So uh, Colm Meany, which is our very own chief, Miles Edward O'Brien. Colm actually is Irish, Matt. I know I've told you that before. And the accent mm-hmm. that he speaks with in the show is his real accent. That's not something that is put on or affected, which is very, very different than the way that Jimmy Doohan did the voice for Scotty, which was completely fake, not at all his real voice. But what we're hearing from Colm actually is his real voice. Now, Colm got his start in Star Trek in the pilot episode as far back as The Next Generation as the helmsman on the bridge. He appeared in 52 episodes of Next Generation. Matt, we didn't even do 52 episodes of The Next Generation. Wow. He was in 52 of those episodes. He was in 156 of the episodes here in Deep Space Nine. He only did, he appeared, he only did not appear or he did not appear in only, that's probably the right way to say it. He did not appear in only 17 episodes and that's because he had some other stuff going on and usually there was just some scheduling issues. That puts him in for a grand total, Matt, of 211 episodes of Star Trek, which gives Cole Meany the distinction of having appeared in the second most number episodes of Star Trek of any actor out there. I'll give you 10 points, Matt, if you can tell me who is the person who bests him and actually has the most number of episode appearances. My gut says it's got to be Picard, Mm. but I could be wrong on that. You are definitely wrong. Okay. That is not it. Because like my thought was like, he's Mm -hmm. had guest spots on a few of the other series and then he came back with the new series. Mm -hmm. Like maybe that was enough to push him over. But I mean, other than that, I guess he, I mean, the bulk of his episodes are still TNG. So yes, that wouldn't really be enough. He really only appeared in the two episodes of of, uh, Deep Space Nine, the pilot. And that's if you count those as two individual episodes. I mean, it's not like Worf or something, is it? Why wouldn't it be Worf? He was a series regular on Next Generation and for the last four seasons of deep space nine he is a series because i've only seen him in like three episodes (laughs) it doesn't feel like i mean he was there this week but Uh it doesn't feel like he's a regular part like it almost feels like he's a guest star Mm -hmm. well bear in mind like a uh uh Guinan. Like that's, mm. that's what war feels like in this series from what I've seen of him. I 100% understand because we are skipping most of the Worf yeah. episodes. Hey, just in case you don't know, let me explain us a, a thread that's happening out there. Remember when Worf came on board deep space nine, he chose the Federation over the Klingon empire. Mm-hmm. Well, now there's sort of this little Klingon Federation, not really a war, but more like a skirmish, like a cold war almost going on again. It's going to get resolved really soon. It's not that it's not a huge story plot point of okay. the whole thing. Like it, it's just sort of what they did to give Worf some stuff to do. So Worf is there. He's around. He's in all these episodes, but we're just not focusing on him. We will get to the episodes that, that feature him. Okay. But, uh, you know, he, we're not going to have the thread that he had back in, in TNG, although we'll pick up some of that stuff. You'll, you'll definitely catch it, but Worf will be around. You'll, you'll definitely catch some more. So anyway, yes, Michael Dorn, AKA Worf, literally that's his Twitter handle, AKA Worf <laughs> actually is the person who has appeared in more episodes than anybody else followed by 
home meeting. Now, Matt Colm was born and raised, as I said, in Dublin. He actually still lives in Dublin, Ireland uh, to this day. He began studying acting at the age of 14 and basically hasn't stopped since. If you don't see a lot of him these days, though, that's because he mostly works strictly in European productions, uh, particularly in the UK, although he does occasionally still come over for roles here in the United States. He has been awarded the Oscar Wilde Honoring the Irish Award by the U.S.-Ireland Alliance. And while doing Trek through the 80s and the early 90s, he also guest starred on several other productions, the likes of which you may have heard of MacGyver, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. But Matt, I have to tell you, I will always remember him from his voiceover work on the very, very excellent animated series Gargoyles. I was hoping you were going there. Matt, it's been a while since we've had a good Gargoyles, you know, person uh, to go that. Mm -hmm. By the way, for anyone keeping track, that brings our total number of Star Trek regulars up to nine that we have talked about <laughs> who have appeared on Gargoyles and a few other recurring characters who actually bring it up to like 12 so far of people sure. we have talked about. It's just been a while. Now, since Trek has ended, as I said, he's continued to work, although it's mostly on the other side of the pond and in a lot of films and TV shows that, frankly, I've never even heard of, but he still seems to be doing pretty all right for himself because they're fairly popular over there. He occasionally can be found on the convention circuit, and that's really only when his filming schedule doesn't conflict or he just wants to go. Like he, Star Trek is not his main thing. It's not his main claim. Like it was a period of his life, and he talks about it very fondly. He very much enjoyed his time. He very much likes the character of O'Brien. Uh, he likes the storyline that O'Brien got. He's satisfied with where his character is, so much so that whenever he's asked about whether or not he'd like to return to the role of Miles O'Brien, his answer is kind of like, you know, I had a really good time doing it and I'm really happy with where they left him and I don't want to ruin it. Sure. So probably not, <laughs> but he's always keen to say, but you never say never, never yep. say never. So that is our guy this week, Cole Meany, who is uh, our very beloved chief, Miles Edward O'Brien. His name came to us, Matt. I don't know if you remember in very small increments. At first he was just, hey, you. Sure. And then yeah. he became O'Brien and then he became Chief O'Brien and then he became Miles O'Brien. And then it was Chief, you know, Miles Edward O'Brien. Yeah. Actually, I don't think he was Chief yet. I think he was uh, Transporter Chief for a while. And then, I don't know, Lieutenant, I think he was in one episode. Or whatever. <laughs> anyway, all of that to say, Matt, that's that's O'Brien. All right. How about let's talk about this episode, though? Accession. Sure. Now, Matt, we'll talk about the A plot. We'll talk about the B plot, which will feature a lot of Miles O'Brien. But before we get to that, let's talk about some of the highlights, some of the character moments that stood out to you. Some of the things you just want to point out here in uh, in Accession as we kick off our discussion on this episode. Sure, sure, sure. So I think one of the big things I had to point out again is like, I don't know if you're doing this intentionally or if it really just does pop up that often. Mm -hmm. That Bashir and O'Brien going at it again. <laughs> it's a like, bromance, dude. I'm telling you, man. They're it, doing their thing. And like yeah. the, the whole thing about, oh, yeah, this ends your year as a bachelor. And like, you, you need to clean up the place now because Keiko's coming back. Uh -huh. and like, which really confused me because they specifically said, this ends your year as a bachelor. And then she comes back pregnant. I'm like, right. What? Well, she came back to visit. So, well, and, and yeah. they kind of cleared that up. It's like the last time you you came down to visit, and like, oh, okay, right. That wasn't clear, mm -hmm. but got it. So I thought there were going to be other problems at that point. Uh -huh. Right. <laughs> when, right. When Molly comes in and it's like, yeah, mommy's pregnant. I'm like, what? What? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by point of fact, uh, 
Speaking of calm, he says he actually hates that scene where you walk into his quarters and everything's messy. Yeah. Like, he doesn't like the idea or the message that a man has to have a woman around to keep the place clean. Sure. You know, that like just because she's gone, the place is going to go to go to hell. Like, like, no, he can keep his place, which just makes me wonder if Colm, like as a person, isn't like uh-huh. kind of maybe a little bit of a neat freak, you know? <laughs> like, that's I don't bit, know. That's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah, but, right. I mean, he spends all his time in the hollow suite. Well, how is he going to make a mess in his quarters? I know, right? I know. But you got it. You got a great, Matt, like a really great dive into the Bashir O'Brien bromance. Yeah. You know, like I know I've told you about it. Maybe you've seen little things about it here and there, but you really got to look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, the they're looking longingly at each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could tell how serious it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have a few things here, but like mm-hmm. I, I'm a little bit worried about how much they tie into the plots, but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll run with it and see what happens. Okay. This was later in the episode where... Cisco is talking about it's kind of weird to be a religious icon, uh-huh. which I'm totally kind of in that frame of mind with him. Like I, from, from the beginning of this thing, like I, Matt, have are you a religious kind of, icon? No, <laughs> no, but I, I, I'm with him that I, I think it would be super weird to be put in that position. And like, every, everyone's just like, no, you are the emissary. I'm like, I, like he, he is all super unsure about it. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. that, became the point of this episode but it's a it's still weird and i i was kind of glad that he was in that same position yeah but what really got me when he was talking about it with dax is like she says i think i kind of like it yeah and then they just let it go and i'm like wait no no i want to hear more about that conversation like (laughs) bring that back i think i really wonder if that's not just a classic introvert extrovert reaction to the whole situation like like i wonder in this case do what now who's the introvert in this case i think it'd be cisco and Jadzia, okay. who clearly is an extrovert, would be like, I sure. think it'd be fascinating. It'd be amazing. It could be. I don't know, Matt. I'm I'm a pretty big extrovert myself. I don't know that I want to be a religious icon. I, I don't I don't necessarily care to have people just beating down my desk saying, Hey, can you give us a blessing? And then like I have to stand yeah. up and say it in a certain I mean, way. Like, that, that whole thing is weird. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that, that's what really got me to think like yeah. I I they just kind of imposed that on him and said, Hey, mm-hmm. you're the emissary. Now you must do these things. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he can't turn them down. And, but not, not only that he has to do those things, he has to do them in a certain way. Like he has yeah. to follow some sort of form. I'd be sitting there like, no, I'm the emissary. I'm going to do this. I, how I, mean, I want to do this. He, he had yes, to learn my language to do it. Mm-hmm. And like that, I mean, I guess he didn't actually have to learn the full language. He just has learned, you know, a few lines here and there, but still that's, I mean, that, that's not the job that he signed up for. No, it's not. And it, it certainly has gotten thrust on him. And, and again, I think we go back to a bit of why we needed this episode because they really have like, they haven't touched on Cisco is the emissary. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? They like, you haven't missed a bunch of episodes where they've talked about it. They yeah. haven't done them because Matt, the studio did not want them doing any, if at all, um, episodes having to do with the Bajoran religion, mostly because they noticed that every time they did a religion episode, this, the ratings tanked for that episode. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Stick with pew, 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 not get in the pew, pew, pew. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So thank you for that, Matt. <laughs> 
I appreciate that. Um, but they, they, they really didn't. And like production had to fight to do this episode, but you know, I always sit back and I know every time, like I watch the show, like you watch the season or the, the series opener titled emissary and they make this big deal about it. And every time Kai wins on him, she refers to him as emissary and different things, mm-hmm. but they, they don't follow up that storyline and that thread. And then all of a sudden yeah. it's like one day he's doing blessings. When did yeah, that they, start? They, exactly. They, they, they kept referring to him as the emissary and every time they did, I'm like, Oh yeah, that was a thing uh-huh. that I didn't really care for. And yeah, they, but they're still making sure I remember that it's a thing. So it's probably going to have a bigger role at some point, but at some point at some point. Anyway, I had another moment that the tech just kind of, I mean, almost scared me a little bit. Like I, I understand we kind of have this tech today, mm-hmm. but I feel we have a little more control over it. You know, privacy is always such a big concern for us nowadays. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when it was O'Brien was going to look for Bashir towards the end mm-hmm. and, and he's like, computer, where is Dr. Bashir? And it's like, oh, he's in Quarks. And, and I'm like, that would not be okay in today's community, in today's world, right? Not, I, I mean, maybe it would be between because they have their, their bromance going on. Like mm-hmm. they'd allow each other to find each other readily. But otherwise, if you can just ask for anybody on the ship at any point, find out where they are, like that seems a little invasive, right? Mm-hmm. And now may, maybe there's something that, there's in a contract that you sign when you sign up for Starfleet or when you uh, say, hey, I want to live on DS9. It's in the terms of service, the end user agreement, whatever you want. <laughs> uh, but it just kind of struck me today for some reason. Like, I know I've heard them ask for locations of people before, and usually it's they are not on this ship anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Oh, OK. But that's also usually like the captain or the commander. Like, sure. You know, they could probably ask, especially anybody who's part of the crew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, the captain should be able to ask that. Sure. But yeah, I mean, this was Chief O'Brien asking where the doctor was. And I mean, I guess knowing where the doctor is, is probably a useful thing too. Mm -hmm. If you want to flip that around, anybody can ask for the doctor. (laughs) Like we need to know where he is. But just as a general thing the system allows yeah it feels weird so i i think there's there's two thoughts that come to that mind immediately and honestly i think the first one's probably the most reasonable in universe explanation of it Mm -hmm. in the future we're not that private the things that concern us right now about privacy and things like that aren't aren't uh an issue well yeah i i i I kind of assume that's where you might go with it and and i still want to hear your your full explanation but it almost feels like that that argument that people sometimes give it's like well if you're not doing anything wrong why should you care if they you know can track what you're doing Mm -hmm. and so like i think there's probably still two sides to the coin but yeah i i I know i wholly agree with you but that's that i think is the point is like in the future when we've resolved all these issues one people aren't going to abuse it you know you're not just going to randomly ask for somebody that you don't know just because you're trying to spy on them and so there's there's a level of trust there with people but also i think there's probably also the other side of that where you well i mean do you know you know how they keep people from tracking where they are you've seen those before you remove your comm badge and throw it down and then 
Yeah, because they're tracking the combat. They're exactly. not actually tracking the person. Exactly. And by the way, well, I mean, that, that's essentially, you know, tracking our phones nowadays because mm-hmm. everybody has their phone on them. And I promise you, I've at any time I can pull up and see where my wife is or rather where her phone is. But I can pull up my parents and I can pull up my kids. They have given you permission to do so. Or I've grabbed I their mean, phone and turned it on. Well, I mean, your kids are a little bit different, <laughs> but... I mean, as far as your wife, like she gave you permission, your Mm -hmm. parents, I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe they don't, I I don't know how technologically savvy they are. So maybe you actually turned it on for them. But I mean, that could be in case of emergency, which is good. They have my kids a lot. They, I I imagine they also know that you turned that on. Sure. I, I, to be fair, I don't think they fully understand that I can just flip it up and be like, (laughs) Hey, why are you at Walmart right now? Because, because Matt, they trust me. Mm-hmm. And I am not necessarily abusing that trust. Like I'm real, I really generally do it just to say, Hey, where are you? And then also like, we're, my parents are very interactive in our lives because of the kids. It wouldn't be yeah. so without the kids, but be, but because of the kids. So there's, there's a need to be able to go, okay, where is my mom and dad right now? Like, are they home? Are they yeah. whatever? Without always so, having to text I mean, them and go, Hey, where are you? Within and, family units, yeah. it totally makes sense yeah. within families or even close friends. Matt, in the fine. Future, I get family. it. In the future, we're all family. Yeah. We're that close. Yeah. In yeah. the Federation, in Utopia. Mm-hmm. So, but Matt, but think about people like uh, Cisco's father, who's a not a part of Starfleet, doesn't have a combat. They can't track him like that unless he allows them. That's fair. I didn't think like that. So, so like I said, it's essentially when you, st- so you sign up for Starfleet and sure. they give you a combat and you're signing off on something that says, yes, we can track you. Or, and, and so you think about a person like Neelix over on Voyager, who's not a part of Starfleet, but he wears a combat everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. So you accept that star, but okay. you accept that badge, you accept yep. everything that goes with it, which is also the ability to track you, which honestly, more cases than not is helpful <laughs> to their, to their life. Sure. So I think I have one more moment that might be one of my favorite moments so far. Okay. Not only does it have to do with the Ferengi, but it's tying in Star Trek to the world we know, right? Mm-hmm. And Cork gets like super excited and kind of nostalgic when he hears that O'Brien's having another kid. Right. And he's like, you get to read him these stories. Uh, like, shoot, where, 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 where was it? Like, see Brock acquire, acquire Brock acquire. <laughs> like, wow. Right. Wow. I want I like, has someone written that entire book? <laughs> If they haven't, Matt, we need to. And frankly, that needs to be our T-shirt of the week. Last, last year, I think we had the Bajor Major. Yep. This, this year, it's Seabrock Acquire, and it's it's the the storybook, children's storybook of, of it. I like it. Yeah, I like, I love it. I love it. I love it. So, um, Matt, I have I have just a couple that I want to point out. I'm sorry. Did you have any more? Because I think you said that was your last one. All good. So, oh, oh, I did like he's uh, Cork also said this. He goes, uh, you know, little kids, you can't stop them from putting everything in their ears. I did catch that one too. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and that that kind of went along with the lines with you told me when we watched that one. Um, what was that an extra viewing Frankie episode we did? It's possible. Where, where we we found out like their universal translators are like deep in their ear. Yeah, that was Little Green Men, the one we just released um, a couple of weeks ago as this episode yeah. comes out. Yeah, okay. that was our June 2021 uh, Patreon extra viewing, which you guys can go out and listen to that episode by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash beamyuppod. Uh, Matt, I've got, so I've got three I want to talk about real quick. One, I want to get your, oh, I'm sorry. First of all, Keiko. I got to talk about Keiko. This may cross over okay. with the B plot a little bit. I have never, and in this episode, we saw it a lot. 
and it was awkward every single time. Keiko's and Miles's on-screen chemistry. Yeah. Like every time they kissed, it looks so awkward. awkward. Like, like that's not a real directing kiss. this episode. Les Landau was his name, and he's a Trek directing veteran. Like, you two couldn't be further from and the I thing mean, is, is Calm and Roslyn are good friends. Like Calm went to her actual like real life wedding and was like, I'm your space husband, and this is your real life husband. And you know, like they're good friends. Like it's it's not like they don't, it's not like they hate each other. Yeah. But those two are kissing like their brother and sister not husband and wife <laughs> yeah th- th- this was like someone dared them to in seventh grade and they didn't huh. really want to yeah and it's like mm, okay here you yeah. go yeah it's we'll just, make this work oh. I, th- th- that's honestly where i think we get the term mashing faces yeah like that's yeah. all they were doing was just yeah put your face together okay here you go mm. we did it we're done right. yet right there was just there was nothing nothing to any of those kisses and you know she's trying I mean, to this was the 90s i know it, like if this was if this was the 50s or 60s i could totally see that happening mm-hmm. like they, they didn't do as many you know on-screen kisses and stuff like mm-hmm. fine whatever write it off but yeah like seriously yeah. How, how did that make it into the final cut did yeah. no one give them any instruction have they never kissed anybody before have they never watched anybody kiss anybody before yeah yeah i just you know what let's send keiko away for another year because i just <laughs> i don't need her look we've got we've got miles and we've got julian that's all the miles relationship i need to be frank with you and sure and i i love the miles julian relationship as it is i don't need it to go anywhere other than than what it is well because uh, i mean that, that's the thing too yeah. i mean maybe the, like it's like it's getting into the b plot but yeah. let's do I, it let's go there because because that's sure. that's what we're talking about yeah yeah like it's almost like what was the point of bringing Keiko back it's because she comes back and he tries to be you know the good husband mm-hmm. and and all she does is say no go back to your friend mm-hmm. like go, go see your boyfriend it's okay mm-hmm. like what okay so why couldn't we just have a whole O'Brien Bashir episode like show me the hollow suite I mean maybe they have another episode so it wouldn't be novel for this episode but mm-hmm. I, I would like to see that instead of like hey I'm back I'm pregnant cool mm-hmm. and now I'm probably gonna leave again or something like did they bring him back just for the wharf moment that was a great moment that's the next moment I wanted to talk about was the moment with wharf <laughs> oh kick goes on mission what she's pregnant I'm gonna be gone when she gives birth <laughs> seven months uh, I believe I have a vacation planned right so it, it was a hilarious moment I yes. truly laughed out loud even when watching it for this re- rerun <laughs> uh, for this watch it makes me laugh every single time they explain it like for people who didn't see that episode which Matt you didn't see that episode but I know I told mm-hmm. you about it I've told yeah, you about it you, a few I, times. I, I, it, it didn't it wasn't foreign to me like I, if you yeah. had asked me who who delivered Molly I, I I couldn't have told you, uh-huh. but when they brought it up again, I'm like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was very funny <laughs> watching that moment right there. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, but, but, but speaking of speaking uh-huh. of the pregnancy though, sure. Um, they, they brought up a moment and they, they obviously got the right characters to interact with this moment, mm-hmm. but it's something that's always bothered me about how people talk. And Bashir comes over to Quark and it's like, yeah, Chief O'Brien's having a baby. It's like, I thought your females carried your young. Mm-hmm. And that always bothers me when people say like, these people are pregnant, like, like this couple is pregnant or, mm. you know, you are like, if someone would say, Hey Matt, you're having a kid. And I'm like, no, my wife is having a kid. I'm, I'm not having a kid. <laughs> right. Right. Like, yes, I'm going to be a father, but mm. I, I'm not pregnant. 
like the the phrase we are pregnant like i don't like that yeah that's one of those things for me like i i i i got it i think both ways because there was the no i'm not pregnant she is and she's doing Mm -hmm. all the hard work here let's let's just be clear about that you know uh she's pregnant not me but then at times there was also the no 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 we're in this together we are pregnant we are going to have a kid we are and and it literally like i think at times both of those things happened to me what terminology do i settle for um she is pregnant we are going to be parents mm-hmm. like yeah th- th- there's a change and they, they both involve the kid mm-hmm. but only one person is pregnant yeah yeah but it, like i said at, at some point there is the we're also in this together and you uh, can go through it together but you you brent have never been pregnant that is and true. never will be pregnant that is true thank the good lord god almighty and all the prophets and bajor's wormhole that's uh <laughs> <laughs> i'm good with that oh man thank god for women thank god for women uh yeah so she's having she's having the baby miles miles can't figure out what to do with himself now that she's home like yep he wants to go play with the little girl he's having a good time with her and then all of a sudden she's like no i just want to go color can i color too no it's me i'm coloring like i've been there i've been there okay all right you color i'm gonna go watch tv and then like he's trying to hang out with his wife and she's like working and he's like yeah i'm busy like why did she come back i don't like you could have told him you were pregnant over the phone you could have yeah yeah like but i think the intent is she's supposed to be moving back onto the station is that what's going on Uh, yeah yeah now so we're not expecting her to leave again we don't know because keiko we're not hey that's what i'm just saying yeah. at the end of this by the end of this episode we're not expecting her to leave again like we're the, not the intent was she's we're, coming back yeah and we're gonna see more of Rosalind. we're gonna see more of keiko okay. um but it's not an every episode thing and it's she's not gonna be a main oh, plot yeah point, but she is yeah. around a bit more um i just yeah i again i'd rather see julian and, and bashir or uh, julian and, and miles than miles and <laughs> see julian and bashir yes there you go um but i do love i think i've never loved keiko more though than i do at the end of this episode where she finally turns around and goes miles i swore i wouldn't say anything but julian's been feeling very sad why don't mm-hmm. you go see him you know and like he runs off and she turns around and she goes julian <laughs> i said i wouldn't say anything but miles has been uh-huh. feeling very sad and she like just pushes them off together and you know that's a, that's that's a great moment as a spouse that's a great moment as a as a significant other like to know your loved one so much and just give them permission to go be them and do them and be where they need I mean, to be and- the only thing i don't like about that yeah is that, I mean, okay, they did both kind of seem depressed, but it, it feels like she's lying to both of them, just the ways that she says it, I feel. Mm. Oh, she absolutely is lying. She's just trying to get them together, you know. Exactly. And, and let them like, why go. can't she just say, like, I know you want to go hang out with him. Go uh-huh. do it. And and then if she, like, I thought she was just going to call down Julie and say, hey, Miles is on his way. Yeah. Clear your calendar. Like, mm-hmm. n- not like, oh, no, he probably wouldn't tell, but he seems to prep i'm like why mm-hmm. why play that game right yeah um so we had that matt i do want to i have two more but they're more with the other plot so i want to save those um did you have any other thoughts on the b plot because I, I it, there's not a ton that happened there yeah keiko's pregnant and miles and julian are missing each other yeah i mean i think we pretty much covered it i mean i guess you could talk about husband and wifery relationship and you know i mean yeah i thought that's more where it was going Mm -hmm. but it didn't really 
So can like I, it was to me, it felt it was more about O'Brien and Brashear. It was, it was. Can I tell you the only parallel that I can think between the A plot and the B plot? Like why these two may go together in in yeah. a in a thing. All right, so what they tried to do. Well, let's so let's pretend like we've already talked about the A plot. We know all of this because the sure. the, the thread of the A plot that I want to pull out is Cisco's kind of doing his thing, and then somebody comes in and sort of disrupts what he's doing, and he has to go on this journey to sort of embrace who he is. Like he sort of lets it go and tries to go about his business, but it doesn't work. He's really uncomfortable with it, and by the end, he he's able to embrace this role we see that happen with miles particularly with his friendship with julian is he's having this great friendship with julian there's no restrictions there's no whatever and then all of a sudden keiko comes home and now miles can't hang out with julian or at least he feels like he can't hang out with julian as much as he used to and it there comes a point where he almost has to be forced back into oh he's your friend go play with your friend like go hang out with him i'm doing this over here we'll have dinner later we'll go to bed you know this is home but it's okay to go play like it's okay to have a friend over there and just like accept that and embrace that thing you it doesn't have to be something you sort of have on the side it it can actually be integrated it can integrate into that's where i'm going with it matt it can integrate into your life there there is more of a parallel there than i ever imagined there could be i never would have thought about it in those terms before getting to this podcast yeah i'm i i i I don't know that it was illustrated clearly enough throughout the episode Mm -hmm. to actually catch that but i can see where they were maybe actually trying to line those two up yeah yeah i, I think like, that's how i'd say integrate th- th- there's a lot of interpretations of films and literature and stuff that mm-hmm. i just always think are people grasping at straws mm-hmm. this one i can actually get on board a little bit more with there you go the other thing i'll, I'll say about this before we move on unless you have other things you want to say is the whole keiko being pregnant thing yeah obviously that's going that's not something that goes away at the end of this episode like that will continue that will have some other repercussions down the road sure. we'll see that as we get there um and you needed to know that keiko was pregnant i could have just told you but there was other oh yeah if, if that was the episode. only thing that's episode, so sure sure all right uh are you done with the b plot do you have anything else about about that that you want to talk about oh good all right let's move over to the a plot here's my short little synopsis very short a 300 year old solar ship emerges from the wormhole carrying a man claiming to be the emissary never having been comfortable with the idea of being a religious icon cisco cedes the position to the man but when he causes chaos by insisting that the bajorans return to their ancient caste system cisco challenges him and they go inside the wormhole where cisco learns and finally accepts the fact that he is the true emissary of the prophets so big picture Mm -hmm. i did not think this a plot was about cisco Mm. I thought this A plot was going to be more about Kira. Sure. I can totally see why you would think that, especially at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Maybe even for the first like two or three acts, I could see why you might think. That. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. a while. Yeah. Cause that was, that was one of the, you know, the roller coaster moments for me is mm-hmm. like, are we actually going to get rid of Kira at least for a while? <laughs> like I, I, I'm on board with this. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I kind of feel like she's, you know, a series long character. Uh-huh. So like, even if she does disappear, like she'll be back in six episodes or something mm. like th- they'll find a way to bring her back. Mm-hmm. But like, maybe she just needed a break for something or whatever. I don't, I don't know. They wrote her off temporarily or they just wanted to, you know, get a spike in the ratings. It's like, yeah, we wrote off one of our major characters. Hey, come watch us. Um, but that's not what happened. Yeah. Cause I thought we were going to have to go into this whole deep discussion about like, 
Kira leaving and and what does that mean? Or ultimately, I kind of thought like Cisco would like talk her out of it and keep talk her into keeping her current station and Mm -hmm. almost, you know, denying the Bajorans and Mm -hmm. something like that. But said, obviously, that that that's not at all where this went. Mm -hmm. Oh, did you ever consider for a moment that he might like she would leave the Bajoran military and just join Starfleet and like all of a sudden appear in a Starfleet uniform? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 kind of where I was going with it. Like, I because I I I didn't think we're like as much as I want gear to leave because I still don't really care for that much. (laughs) Um, Like, I didn't think she was going to. So I thought the the big decision was, yeah, basically, like, that's what I mean when I say, like, deny the Bajorans, like she's going to leave the Bajoran Mm -hmm. part of her behind and just join Starfleet full time. Because that's like, I mean, we've talked about that before. Like, you can't get rid of your first officer. Like, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen in these shows typically. Right. I mean, someone might be able to pull up some example of where it did happen, but typically it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. In seven years, Riker never got promoted. Mm-hmm. They tried to, and he kept saying no. <laughs> like, really, Riker? Really, you're going to say no to your own command? Yeah. Well, I'm waiting for the Enterprise. So you're waiting for Picard to die. Uh-huh. Really? Really? But early on in the episode, I got confused for a bit. Haven't we always said like Star Trek is like four or 500 years into the future? Yep. Is DS9 further into the future? No, DS9 is in the exact same time period as Next Generation. Um, so do they use a different calendar than we do? Are you talking about where they're talking? Now, Bajor would use a different calendar than we do. Okay. Bajor has what they were referencing? Calendar. Yes. Bajor okay. has their own calendar. Because yes. when dude comes in and he's like, what yeah. year do you think it is? And it's like 9174. And I'm like, whoa, dude, it's from the future. Right. And then they're like, that was 200 years ago. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, what? What? <laughs> I, I thought we were in like the 24, 2500s or something. We're in 2380 like is, something-ish. Yeah. How is yeah. 9174 in the past? Right. <laughs> like I was super confused. Mm-hmm. Cause like I, cause then again, right off the bat when he's like, Oh, I'm from 9174. I'm like, okay, we got a future man. What's going on here? <laughs> like, like I, so, I mean, like I said, I thought this episode was going in so many different directions. Sure. sure. Okay. You would, so you would almost think the universe, calendar. you would almost think the universal translator could do the math on that. And well, exactly. You know, I mean, that that's yeah. what it feels like. Cause when, when they say, Oh, that was 200 years ago, like that shouldn't, you know, that has to translate to him somehow. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, right. yeah. <sighs> okay. So once I got past that. <laughs> okay. So you're, you're here with the, with the new guy on the station. I want to know when, like at the end of the cold open, when he goes, I am the emissary. Like, mm-hmm. what was your response when you heard him say that? Like he's, he's laying on the, the table in there. I think at that point, because we've kind of not talked about the emissary a lot and like the very first episode, honestly, I was still a little confused. I don't think I fully understood what the emissary was. Like once mm-hmm. they get into this episode again, and maybe they covered this in the first episode, but I just don't remember it because like I said, I, it was a new series and everything. I was trying to get, get my head wrapped around things. Sure. But like when they went back and like read the prophecy, right. Mm-hmm. And like, this is what the emissary is going to be. And, and like, it finally started to click that it's like, Oh, there's only one emissary ever. Mm-hmm. Like this is like the savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Right. Right. Like there is only one. 
like because i've always kind of like so what when he he came and said i'm the emissary my initial thought was oh he's the emissary from you know a, a previous time or maybe a different timeline or something along those lines where but i had it in my head at that point there could be more than one emissary like there would be an emissary for every generation or something oh oh kind of like like neo was the he was the the savior of like his generation but he was like the sixth savior of all the sorry sure. if i just spoiled the matrix for everybody <laughs> out there. Yeah. but yeah I, I mean more so than that yeah like I, I i just had more of a misunderstanding about what the emissary was and so that i i guess that bit didn't confuse me as much i we watched the episode matt uh-huh because <laughs> i because i knew that's where we were like that's we we need we need to we have to be reminded of what this thing is and the fact yes. that this is actually a thing. This episode, more than any other that I've mm-hmm. seen, finally gets me clear on what the emissary is so and why think. he's such a big deal. So you think? Well, fine. <laughs> All right, moving. Uh, Matt, I want to hear you talk about the Dejaras. He comes in. He's like, "We got to return to our Dejaras, the caste system." I want to hear you talk about the Dejaras because I think this is a very this is a Star Trek message through and through. And when we see what oh, this yeah. does, I mean, this is Star Trek at its finest doing its thing in the 90s, mm-hmm. which is 100 percent applicable today. Right. Which is um, why the world needs to sit down and watch Star Trek together, Matt. You got it, man. I mean, when when we get into the explanation on the Jajaras and stuff, and he gets into it with Cisco, and Cisco sits down and says, caste-based discrimination goes against the Federation Charter, and Bajor would be rejected based on that. Like, I mean, just the fact that he uses caste-based discrimination kind of shouts it from the rooftops. It's like, hey, guess what we're talking about this week? <laughs> in, in case you hadn't picked up on it, right. th- this is the message right any, here, right here. Translated to any form of discrimination. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right. As soon as he threw that discrimination, they're like, okay, I got it. I got it. I will. I will pay attention. Do do you know what it reminded me of though, Matt? Like, like I made this note. I said, I said, this is like Harry Potter. This is like the whole pure blood, half blood nonsense that they get into. It's that, it's that same idea. Like I'm better than you because I'm of this cast. I'm better of you because I have pure blood. You see that that's the thing though. It was when they started talking about the Jajaras and like, I I've never like studied a cast system at all. Um, so I'm only, I've heard the words. I couldn't give you a full explanation of what it meant in the past. Um, but when he, he went on to explain this and say like, you know, if you belong to this family, you know, you are an artist. If you belong to this family, you're a, a, a farmer. I'm like, okay, that doesn't seem too terrible just mm-hmm. on surface level because it's like, oh, you just, you do what your parents did because that's right. what you learn. That's what they teach you. Okay. I mean, especially when they mentioned the farmer thing, like that made a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. because farmers in general learn from their parents how to run the farm. You take over the family farm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know, I mean, living in the Midwest, I know a lot of farmers, uh, right? yeah. a lot of my, uh, older relatives, like few generations back were farmers. Like my parents weren't farmers, but a few generations back were farmers. Um, I, I do have some friends from my generation who, who grew up on a dairy farm and I've gone to visit them and, you know, you get to drink fresh milk straight from the cow. And, um, they married one of their daughters that was my age, married another farmer Mm -hmm. from another farm family and they went and bought their own farm. And so they're continuing the whole farming thing and all these farmers, you know, farmers, we get farmers. Uh, so like that part, like I said, like that at the surface level didn't seem too bad, but as we get into the episode 
And I mean, this is jumping ahead a bit, but we get the death, which going back and thinking about it, I, I, I still, wow, how they just kind of let things go. But that really brought to light what, what they were saying about this system. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think you were getting into with the pure blood thing, right? Right. And they're like, yeah, his, he belongs to this family. His blood is dirty. So I'm like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. I didn't realize that's where we're going with it. Yeah. And so that was kind of a shock right there. Right. And where, where he just kind of blatantly admitted to murder. Mm-hmm. Hey, but it's okay because they're beneath us. Th- that's what they he don't was matter. saying. It's fine. But you see, maybe I read this wrong too, but it felt like they just let him go. Like Cisco, it basically, no, Cisco, they arrested I think, him. just said, did, did they arrest him? Yeah. Because yeah. oh, oh, I thought yeah, they he said like, get him out of here. And, and it felt like, you know, get him off the station. I don't want to deal with it as opposed to lock him up. No, yeah, no, that was him telling to Odo, get him out of here. And okay. Odo, Odo took him and, and. Okay. I feel a little bit better about that, yeah. but yeah, it, it just felt a little too much like, well, yeah, we don't approve what, what you did, but get out of here. But Matt, do you, <laughs> do you realize what's just happened here? What's that? You have found the second best way to kill people in Star Trek. The oh, yeah, first way we know is with a knife. Yep. The second way we know is to push them. Yep. What doesn't work is to shoot them. Yep. Do not shoot them. They mm. will recover. Right. Right. The doctor will heal them. Yeah. So yeah, this section of it, I mean, it was a brief section and then they kind of jumped to something else, mm-hmm. but it hit hard. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it was supposed to, I mean, so, you know, let's, let's call it for what it is. You've got, and we saw it specifically in Kira, which is why you thought it was a Kira based episode through the first couple of, of acts yeah. is you see a person who is in no way, shape or form artistically inclined trying to force herself into a mold of something that she not only is not, but something that she clearly takes no pleasure in, but she's, sure. a, she's about to sacrifice everything that she is for this way that you're supposed to be. And she's not the only one millions and millions and millions of Bajorans are about to do the exact same thing. And some of the, and they, they told us too, some of them are going to not do it and we're going to mm-hmm. kick them all off the planet. Yeah. Like what? Seriously? Yeah. Like what? Are, that's crazy. That's dumb. And okay. So let's hold a mirror up to us today. But, but I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this fits in with what you're going, but it is literally an old way of thinking, right? This dude came from 200 years ago mm-hmm. and tried to just apply his thinking to the present day and age. It was literally an old way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's, it's just not good. Yeah. Hey, by the way, 200 plus years, almost 300 years ago, according to their math, would have put them in about the mid nineties on our world. <laughs> just, just throwing it out there. And I never thought about that, but you do the math, but yeah, uh, let, let's, let's push this forward. If you don't mind, Matt, we, this then transitions to Cisco going, okay, I would like to be the emissary again. I know I gave it to you, but I don't like what you're doing with it. So I want to take it back, which, you know, the guy goes, well, no, no give backsies or whatever. No, no, take, no take backsies. <laughs> it's mine. And they go off and they see the aliens. And I, I think before that, Cisco has the dream with uh, Kyle Paca. See Kyle Paca yep. again. Um, Matt, I don't mind telling you, this is the last time we will see Camille as in the role of Kyle sure. Paca. Uh, she won't come back after this. But we we go from watching Harry Potter to watching The Lion King as Kyle Paca appears in the clouds above Cisco and goes, remember who you are. Uh-huh. You have forgotten me, and so I've forgotten you. 
remember you are more than what you have become like like she puts it to him man you know what, what's the line she says she's something to the effect of how could i know you when you don't even know who you are like literally i think that's her line how he's do you know who i am or how could i know you if you don't even know who how, you are? how how can i know someone who doesn't know himself yeah there it is right there remember who you are go be who you are this is yep. what you are and he goes back he asserts it he goes off and he sees the 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 prophets and matt this is a key part of the episode Mm-hmm. He takes the dude. He's like, let's just go ask him. Let's okay. go see. So th- this is a part I have a question about too. Sure. Cause I mean, th- th- this is more semantics and logistics, I guess, but uh-huh. Cisco and this dude who I think most people on the station by now feel that Cisco does not agree with. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. They go off by themselves in a ship into the wormhole. Right. And only Cisco comes back. Ooh. What happened? How do you explain that? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, cause I, I'm sitting there and cause he gets back in the ship and like, he's gone. I'm like, okay, that doesn't surprise me. Cause the prophets transported him back. Sure. I got it. Shouldn't you have brought a third party? Like, I'm pretty sure Cisco kind of expected that to happen. You kind of talked him into it. Like, like I, I, when, when Cisco kind of challenged him, I felt that Cisco had a plan. I didn't know what it was, but I felt that Cisco had a plan because I think he understands the prophets. I mean, more than even he thinks he knows. Sure. So I think he had a plan going into that. He kind of knew what the end result was going to be. And so he could have almost predicted that he was going to come back alone. So I, I mean, bring my, my, my thought was there should have been a third party along with them in that ship and whether or not that third party got to see the prophets, probably not, but maybe they would have seen Cisco and the other guy disappear and then just Cisco come back. And it's like, well, then you, you have a hard time at least blaming Cisco for his death or disappearance or whatever. It's like, I don't know. Only Cisco came back. I, I, I'm not sure what happened, but like you, at least they could, you know, confirm that Cisco didn't actually kill this guy. Right. Cause I mean, that, I mean, seriously, they, they, they go out into the wormhole and only Cisco comes back. Like, okay. Two leave, yeah. one comes back. Yeah, exactly. Like, how does that look? It's not a good <laughs> Your look. captain just left with a guy and came back alone. But Matt, he's coming back saying, no, no, no. He's really the emissary and the prophet sent him back to where he came from. Sounds plausible. I mean, innocent until proven guilty, I guess, right? Like, I mean, uh, because of the Bajorans in their face, I think they would agree with him. Yeah. But we already like, heard him the first time. He he said when when this guy showed up, he reported back to to Starfleet about the situation. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have a feeling he has to send another report now and say, um, yeah, so this guy's gone now. Right. Right. I took him out, out into the backyard, out into the wormhole. Right. But see that, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, wouldn't he, wouldn't Cisco then be held responsible for putting him in danger for taking him to the aliens or whatever, you know, or, it's, it's something, I mean, because I mean, think about it, that guy, like aside from the emissary as the role, because there's going to be tons of people on Bajor who wanted him as the emissary and not Cisco, mm-hmm. like the Kai, uh, and people who support her. And yeah. Don't, her don't get me into Kai win. Yeah. Oh. Um, but you have those people, but you also have the people who are like, uh, this is one of our ancient poets. Like Billy Shakespeare turns up alive somehow mm-hmm. and we're just going to put him back out there and we're going to believe, you know, I don't know, Stephen King who's like, oh yeah, I took him out there and he just went back to his own space and time. Like really, really horror writer. Really? Yep. Yep. I mean, I never thought about this before, Matt. You're absolutely right. I, <laughs> I, I almost want to say like, he could come back and say like, I didn't kill him. Like he's still alive, but then no, you sent him back 200 years in the past. So he is actually dead now. 
Oh, oh, that's that's how you figure it out, Matt. Because now you got to have a record of it somehow. Well, he finished his poem. That's right. He finished his poem. There's got that's how that's how he gets out of it. They looked him up. He's good. He was he was right next to the picture of Gabriel Bell from the Bell Riots back on. Earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, the, the weird part is like they're saying like Kira didn't have a memory of the finished version of the poem. Yeah, that's weird. That's that's, that's weird. and I know they ended. Oh, the prophets work in mysterious ways. Ha ha. Yeah, that, 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 that's weird that's time true. travel stuff that they didn't want. They handled differently. Yeah, they yeah they just they yeah. Just it, it, like I think it, honestly it would have been better if he came back and said like hey did you read the end of his poem and just like what do you mean the end it's always been finished oh yeah there you go yeah like that would have been better um but yeah i mean that that's that's such a little detail i don't really care Mm -hmm. but i i I did like how the prophets consistently refer to him as the cisco okay this is important okay like uh, like this this becomes a, a thing and this is where it starts like you're, you're seeing the genesis of it here. This is this is the first I time say, I, I don't remember them calling him the Cisco before. It's the first time that they're no. called that they're calling him the Cisco and specifically where they're saying we are of Bajor. And then they say the you Cisco are of is of Bajor. Right. Mm-hmm. You are of Bajor. Cisco is of Bajor. What does but that he, mean? Yep. How is I did. I, I did wonder because as far as we know, he has no connection to Bajor. But then again, the prophets know nothing of time. So, oh, that was know. so great. He's like, oh, I found you first. I came here first. And they're like, yeah, that means you nothing see, to us. As, as soon as they started discussing first and later and yeah. stuff, I'm like, oh, that was it. That was Cisco's plan because he understands that, you know, they yeah. don't think on a linear timeline. Yeah. And, and so I'm like, he, he's got him right there. And that's kind of kind of was the turning point. Like they didn't focus on it too much, but it kind of felt like, yeah, that's it. Cisco understands the prophets more like he is going to be an emissary. He's going to be the one they choose. I, I got to tell you what seals the deal for me. Long, I mean, and this was early in the episode. I'm talking maybe within the first five minutes, Matt, of like, yeah, this guy is not really the emissary is like they're talking to him when he first like comes out of the ship and stuff. And he goes like, so the prophets talk to you and told you oh well no the prophets didn't talk to me but dot 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 i'm like wait a minute wait a minute they've talked to cisco and they've talked to him a a bit like several times if they ain't talking to you i ain't listening to you (laughs) sorry i'm going with him i'm sticking with that guy i don't care what he says so but yeah so that's that's an important thing matt that i will just say file that back in the back of your brain okay because it's a thing it's a need in two years okay hopefully not that long well two seasons yes yes it's it is that all of these things are starting to converge. Let's just say, let's just put it that way. They're all starting to converge. So the, the Cisco is of Bajor. I love that you pulled that out of there, out of the opening bit, Matt, uh, Matt the opening thing of the Cisco. You're welcome. I, I, do. I absolutely, <laughs> absolutely loved it. So, um, Matt, did you have anything else from this episode extension that you wanted to discuss? I think that about covers it. All right. Well, I got one more thing that I do want to just, just point out because it's happening in the world of Star Trek right now with this episode, not that you would have noticed because you weren't paying that close of attention. Several of the production staff have their titles changed or they just yeah, get taken out of that. Yeah. You, you would have never noticed, <laughs> but they do. Several of them have their roles changed or they have their titles changed or actually like certain, certain like visual effects supervisors and stuff actually are not in this episode and get pulled off. And the reason okay. before is because as of this episode, 
production on the next next generation movie has now begun. And okay. those people have either been pulled away to work on the movie or they've been given promotions because they're doing both or whatever. But that is now happening is production is happening on the next movie. So chances are we'll be watching that movie soon. I'm not entirely sure when it's going to happen just yet. I've got to, I've got to check the dates, um, but it, it is happening very soon. So we, okay. we will be watching uh, the next movie, which this is a movie we will watch. I, I will tell you that as well. So, uh, right. so that's happening. So Matt, I'll boil it all down and ask you the question. Did you like this episode? Would you want to watch it again? And do you understand why it is part of our run? I think I can say yes to everything. All right. Yeah. All right. I mean, th- th- this one, like it had its moments, mm-hmm. but it wasn't quite as like heavy throughout the entire thing, which usually might prevent me from saying, yeah, I want to watch this one again. Sure. But yeah, no, I think I could watch this one. All right, Matt, well, would you like to know what our next episode is? That would be useful. All right. Well, we're going to be sticking right here in Deep Space Nine. We're going to be watching an episode called For the Cause, an episode that will surely answer a few questions that you have forgotten that you are asking. Well, as long as it's not for the greater good. (laughs) For the cause. And Matt, for now, that is going to do it for us this week on Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. Remember, folks, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do that by simply emailing us to beamyuppod at gmail.com or head over to beamyuppod.com. For more ways to contact us, and I would like to take this moment to thank our patrons for supporting us at patreon.com. You guys are awesome. Hope you enjoyed that extra viewing episode this week. Matt, where can the folks find you out there on the internet? You can find me on the internet at as a matter of Matt, both on Instagram or Twitter. And if you guys want to get in touch with me, you can find me at Brent Allen Live across all the social medias. We'd love to connect with you there as well, too. Until next time, folks, live long and prosper. (laughs) 